Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. This episode is on adaption and innovation. My name is Steve Waite. I'll be your host today. For those of you that don't know the Business Centre, we're a not-for-profit organisation with a 35-year history of helping small businesses through providing business advice and practical education in collaboration with industry experts and in partnership with local, state and federal government small business programs. And our special guest today is Heath Rafferty. Welcome, Heath. Good to see Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Now, Heath is the Director and Principal Engineer of New Ventures. He finds challenges irresistible. He's on a relentless drive to become redundant through reliable design, education, value generation and a better way to innovate. Heath is immensely passionate about technology and innovation, but in particular, he is motivated to ensure technology and innovation work to make a positive difference in people's lives. His determination to make an impact has led to the establishment of New Ventures, a nimble engineering design house and vehicle for innovation. Heath has more than 15 years experience in product development, embedded electronics, research and technical analysis with specialities in hardware design for manufacturability, artificial intelligence, data communications and signal processing. Heath's experience covers the journey from idea to market entry, including scoping, manufacturing and validation. His inquisitive and tireless pursuit of opportunity has led him to an array of interesting projects for designing and commissioning a revolutionary small wind turbine to establishing a STEM education program for young children. Now, Morning Heath, great to see you. Um, We're really looking forward to this chance for small businesses to get an insight into how technology, including the Internet of Things, can actually be accessible for small businesses, not just large, complex organisations. Now, one of the projects that you've been involved in notably, you've been very much a part of, uh, I guess, uh, the innovation ecosystem in regional New South Wales, but also nationally and internationally. But we'd like to uses some case studies today, a project that you've been involved with with New South Wales uh, Health Pathology, the Sepsis Point of Care IAT Diagnostic System, and I know that we can draw on that today. But more recently, uh, being one of the engineers that were part of an amazing response um, to uh, the the current pandemic, where New South Wales uh, Health approached uh, AMP control and requested the potential provision of 600 ventilators in 28 days, and you, you, you were called upon to be part of a project team of engineers. But let's get to our conversation with you today, Heath, with our aim being to provide practical, but potentially vital information for how small businesses can adapt their business through this difficult time, through adaption and innovation. So knowing your practical and pragmatic approach that I think we both share to innovation, I'd like to, I guess, introduce the themes that we agreed for our conversation and very similar to one that we did earlier on innovation alone. But the first theme that we like to discuss is that uh, in a crisis, there's always a seed of opportunity. Uh, and following on the Chinese word Wei Qi for crisis, which has two elements, danger and opportunity, that suggests no matter the difficulty or circumstances, no matter how dangerous the situation, at the heart of each crisis lies a tremendous opportunity. Then we'll move on to a second theme. And that second theme in our discussion is part of economic theory, uh, which talks to uh, destruction through uh, process of industrial mutation incessantly revolutionises the economic structure from within and incessantly destroying the old one, incessantly creating a new one. So this allows us uh, to 
find early rents is sometimes the term used in Shumterian theory. So sometimes through this disruption, there's an opportunity for early rents. And then we'll move on to a third theme, which will be to focus our conversation with you on this concept of design, which I know you're very much aware of as well in regard to providing the right solution. Design is so important. And having an understanding of how your innovation, your idea or your product or your service is best delivered to a market. And I guess with those introductions of projects you're working on at the moment, specifically associated with uh, the pandemic and the health uh, issues, there are other examples that you can draw upon as well that I know that we can introduce into our conversation. So with that in mind, perhaps we could move firstly to the first question, which we ask everyone in our webcast. That is, how are you dealing with this? How did this hit you uh, in, in your organisation with you, like all of us? What, what's it been like for you? Oh, thanks, uh, Steve, and thanks for the question. Um, uh, yeah, I think sometimes we skip over that, uh, that element of, um, you know, how does it, how does it impact you? Yeah. So, uh, um, obviously, as a, a small business owner, um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of competing forces going on, and, and yeah. a lot of those change very, very quickly. Yeah. So, we work in uh, electronics. So, yeah. we actually, when I was reflecting on it, we had yes. a little bit of um, early warning, um, yes. certainly not as early as some people, but uh, we, we noticed some disruption in our supply chain mm -hmm. um, as we were trying to get product out of, out of China. Yeah. And, um, and like most of the world, we thought yeah. this was a, a transient thing and, uh, yeah. and we just wanted to know when it was going to be over. Yes. It became more and more apparent that, that perhaps this wasn't um, a, a short-term yeah. event and, yeah. uh, and we were going to see repercussions. Yeah. And it was only time um, before we started to see this, uh, the impact on our doorstep. Yeah. Um, so we had early warning, but I think like most people, mm. we were unable to estimate or foresee just what um, that, that impact would be. Yes. Um, so we, we uh, attempted to maintain business as usual um, yes. for, for a long period of time, as, as yes. many people did. You know, you put the, the, the brave face forward and yep. say, we're not disrupted, we're not concerned, yep. um, we're not going to uh, uh, see an impact from this and, and, and carry on. Yep. Um, in fact, we were, we were um, in the final stages of negotiating a lease on a, on a new building. Um, wow. we'd, we'd expanded yep. Uh, yep. to the point where we were, uh, we were bursting at the seams and mm. we were taking a very exciting, very onerous step of, mm. of moving. Mm. And um, on, the, uh, on the Monday morning, we, um, uh, we were having difficulty in negotiating the lease. Yep. Um, some of the terms weren't coming together at the, the, uh, the final uh, minute yeah. on Friday on Tuesday we pulled out yes. of that lease. We said these terms are not appropriate. Yeah. Tuesday afternoon we implemented work from home, and our staff vacated the building, <laughs> and uh, and we didn't have to pay pay for a lease yeah. um, on yeah. a building that we weren't going to occupy. Yeah. So interesting turn of events when, yeah. you, when you look at it. Yeah. But transitioning to work from home was was extremely challenging. Yes. Um, the our staff were. Um, uh, superbly responsive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, each had their own level of um, uh, urgency, anxieties, mm -hmm. um, preparation, yep. um, uh, uh, concerns about what this meant um, for their for their role, um, and all those had to be managed. and mm -hmm. And so I, I set out went on that Tuesday. I set out three priorities for our staff. I said. Yes. Um, our number one priority is our people. Mm -hmm. We need to understand um, uh, uh, your reactions, mm -hmm. how prepared you are, what the risks are for you working home, how, how you think you'll cope with it, yep. um, how you're feeling in, in, this, um, in this crisis. This is not just a business crisis. Yep. This is a personal crisis for a lot of people who Indeed. have very, very deep questions and concerns mm -hmm. about what this means. Mm -hmm. um, our second priority was our customers. Mm -hmm. It was very important that we communicated um, as we normally do, but mm -hmm. um, uh, in excess of that, yep. we kept them 
updated on where we're at. Yeah. We um, informed them ahead of time if um, we thought things were going to slip, if we mm -hmm. weren't able to get product as quickly as we thought we could, mm -hmm. um, but that we would up our game to yeah. try and meet um, uh, their requirements. Our customers were relying on us to provide a bit of yes. bedrock yes. of stability yeah. um, through what was a very, very disruptive time. Yeah. And then finally, third priority was the yeah. business. Yeah. So we needed to ensure that we had a, um, a strong um, business yes. um, that could survive the, the storm. Yeah. We are but a small sailboat in, yeah. in amongst a, a, a big uh, sea yeah. of chaos. Yeah. And, and we needed to make sure our boat was strong and it was gonna yeah. get through, sail so, through to the other side. So knowing what I do from some of the information that you provided to me about your organization, your business, you've got some quite sophisticated products and some quite sophisticated customers. Uh, on that side of, of, of producing these solutions and, and coming up with these, these new uh, technologically based devices or, or you know, integrated devices and, and software and hardware, how tolerant were your customers in, you know, in regard to you know, delivery or you know, continuity of, of what it was that you were providing? Yeah, interesting question. So it, <laughs> it, it evolved, you know. Right. Uh, people didn't know what to expect at first. And, mm -hmm. and of course, everyone tried to maintain business as usual. And then they said, actually, these are quite unusual times and, and maybe yes. we need to accommodate what's going on here. Yeah. So we found, um, I, I made some very difficult phone calls in that week yes. um, uh, to each of our customers and said, mm -hmm. um, are you with us? Essentially, yes. Um, yes. We're, we're this, we don't know what's ahead. Yep. Um, it's going to be rocky. We um, we want to do our best by you. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's your what are your plans? Yeah. Um, are you are you planning to um, shelve these projects? Mm. Uh, are you planning to accelerate them? Are you planning yes. to just to, to go dormant for a little while? Yeah. Um, and every single one of them said, um, uh, "This is uh, um, essentially. Yeah. Can you keep going?" Wow. Can you, um, uh, we think this is an essential time. We've got chaos. We've got stuff falling yeah. all around us. We, yeah. we need to fight some fires. So despite here. the fact that it was an exceptional time, the path where the, that they were on, they wanted you to continue with it in some way that was adapted in itself. They saw um, the innovation process as something that, um, if it all possible, should continue. Wow. Um, which, which makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Um, they wanted to emerge on the other side of, of whatever yeah. um, we're going through yes. in a position where they were able to capture new markets and yeah. so innovation was was a key aspect of that and so they looked at us to yeah. to say um, uh, can you be can you be that bedrock can you be that consistency wow. we understand things are slower and, and we need to adapt and yeah. you might not be able to yeah. to do things the way we normally um, can do them yeah. but we want you to try um, yeah. which was um, was was music to my ears. Very to be reassuring, honest. isn't I, it? I, uh, yeah. I, I could have they, they could have been very very different so they were uh, reassuring conversations. Do you mind if I move to our first um, question in detail which is which is as we said those three themes the first one i'd like to look at it is this this chinese um, concept of crisis carrying two elements of danger and opportunity which we've begun to touch on but what read do you make right now while we're in the eye of this current storm and i know perhaps we could we could use the amp control project or any other project you've been involved with but i know with the amp control project there's a whole set of constraints which you've, you've touched on such as you know design quality and and freight restrictions and you know access to components and alternative parts so can you unpack that for us as a, as a process you know in regard to danger and opportunity and, and maybe around that case study yeah absolutely um, 
look, I think it's a great framing um, of the situation. It is a crisis. There is danger. There are things to be concerned about, mm -hmm. and, and we should give them credence. Um, but uh, there is also opportunity. I, I spoke on a, on a webinar um, last week mm -hmm. about um, the the uh, essential themes in creativity and creativity is the is the beginning of the innovation journey yes and those essential themes are, are um, tension and constraints wow so um, in order to have creative outcomes yes. uh, you need some element of of disagreement of um, yes. uh, uh, unsettlement yep. of, of not being happy with the status quo friction Friction, yeah. yes, precisely. Yeah. And you also need constraints because constraints give you boundaries. Yes. Um, the, the world is a vast place and yes. we can't fix it all at yeah. once, but if we give ourselves boundaries, yeah. we only have so much money, we only have so much time, we're not unavailable, you know, mm. there's, there's things that we can't obtain. Mm. Um, and so those elements uh, we thrive in. Mm. Um, so to have a situation where we were pressed for time, and this through it actually is quite, quite clear 28 days with the potential outcome of a very defined product for a particular end use for an actual customer, not a you know, conceptual customer. Yeah, and I do wonder whether that was phrased deliberately because it was perfect. It was a, <laughs> uh, it was a, um, a, a red flag at a ball mm. um, because we all understood that uh, w there was a pressing need mm. um, and that we didn't have uh, infinite time mm. to, to deliver it mm. um, and we needed to prioritise things mm. um, very quickly. And uh, one of the things that we didn't have was time, which means that we couldn't um, follow a, a linear development um, process. We couldn't say, we think this is the right thing to do, so yeah. let's try that, yeah. fail, try the next thing, fail, yeah. try yeah. the next thing. Yeah. Um, our time would have been evaporated. So yeah. very early on, yeah. everyone in that team that was brought together yeah. said we need to paralyze this. Yeah. We need to entertain ideas that, that seem silly now yeah. that may not come to fruition, uh -huh. but will inform other activities. Wow. And so we, we, we took on um, about six different um, uh, listed paths uh -huh. that needed exploration, and then we were very quick to terminate them when they reached their point of utility. Mm. Um, uh, mm. Some of them did that early on, they, they proved to, to, to not be useful. Mm -hmm. Others lingered for a fair while and continued mm -hmm. to inform the other activities that were going on. Wow. And then uh, it became clear and apparent to us all that there was one particular path that we had taken um, mm -hmm. on day one, mm -hmm. which was showing the most uh, promise to mm -hmm. get us to that 600 in 28 days. Mm -hmm. and, um, and eventually all resources turned towards supporting that activity. Mm. I'm fascinated for the dynamics within that process, given the, there's a diverse group of, of engineers and experts yes. and the, the, you know, the meta language or the way that you're communicating with each other and managing the project methodology. What were some of the aspects there? Well, so the, the diversity was key. Right. Um, the, the lead in AM control, uh, mm -hmm. Ian Webster, um, mm -hmm. has a lot of credit for this. Mm -hmm. he, he sought out individuals that he recognised would offer um, contrasting opinions. Really? Deliberately and so? Deliberately so. So this is something we, we don't shy about, is, mm. is having that tension mm. and having um, uh, opinions strongly held, mm -hmm. um, well, strongly supported, but, mm -hmm. but weakly held. Yep. And so the, the, yep. the people around that table in the early days um, were, were, were quick to support um, mm. ideas that they thought needed um, mm. uh, support, mm -hmm. and they were quick to learn from others as well. Mm. Often we find that um, 
when an idea is brought up, it's not necessarily the, the idea that was useful, mm. but the discussion that it causes. Mm. You know, the fact that it forces people to uh, convince each other of why that idea has strength or why mm. it doesn't have strength. Mm. And, and sometimes it's not the original idea that, um, that is the valuable thing that comes out of that. Yeah. It's the, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Mm. That means, mm. and then off we go and we, and we move in a better direction. So the learnings from that for, for small and medium sized enterprises and small businesses around innovation is that you, you, you do have to enter into the process of innovation. You have to have the mindset to be looking to be doing something that is different and, and to bring in diverse uh, people into the process by almost, as you said there deliberately, I think Ian's words were, it was so important to bring other people in and contribute to the project by bringing their own ideas, mm, mm. but with a common sense of purpose for what it was that you want to achieve. Precisely, yes. Yeah. So we can all have our, our <laughs> same ideas, but we were given that, um, that common goal. Mm. And so we recognised while everyone had a different way about getting there, yep. we were all focused on, on getting to the, uh, the, the same goal line, the same finish yep. line. Yep. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. All right, I want to move to our next question, which is, if that's okay, and there's plenty of time for us to to revisit some of these things. Um, The next one is about uh, what part, you know, the economics play around this and and a theory that says or suggests that we can take advantage of early rents that are often available through markets that are diminishing or broken or or that have, you know, opportunity within them because of of, of a change. So keeping those things in, in mind, and given what I quoted from you at the start, where you said, I think collaborative projects are the only way to do innovation in this country. Um, what, what are your thoughts about that concept of early opportunities and some of the other projects you've been involved in that have needed adaption or innovation where you can see the beginning of a new market or a, a new use of, of new technologies coalesce together around IoT type projects? Sure, I mean, there's a uh, there's an arm's length list of, uh, of, of examples where this applies. So many times we, we yep. find that um, uh, largely our value when we come to a, a customer um, is, is not to um, uh, necessarily be the smartest person in the room, mm. um, but to ask people to explain what's in their head mm. and, and that, that process of rubber ducking, you know, of yeah. having, having someone else that you have to explain to yeah. um, starts to tease out ideas and having an intelligent uh, collaborator yeah. who, um, yeah. who hasn't, uh, isn't familiar with your world, yes. but nonetheless can start to understand it and can ask those questions and test those assumptions yeah. is an incredibly valuable um, uh, activity. So uh, probably the, the relevant example is, mm-hmm. is, is the New South Wales Health Pathology. Um, yes. So uh, when we got involved in that, that was a, that was a good example of, mm. of a project where um, internally New South Wales Health Pathology had mm. um, extraordinary expertise, great resources, mm-hmm. very, very good systems to yep. um, automate the process of analysing pathology data. Yep. Um, but uh, from their viewpoint, it was yep. difficult to piece them together, to patch mm. it together in a way that... Uh, that actually delivered a solution to the, yep. the customer at the end of the day. Yep. And so our contribution um, was, was um, relatively small compared to the labor in the, in the, uh, the project overall, mm-hmm. um, but it was key in bringing those different aspects together and actually delivering something to the customer. Yep. And now that, that, um, that, that project uh, helps uh, point of care providers like GPs and, and mm-hmm. um, 
um, paramedics mm -hmm. to provide pathology results <clears throat> right there mm -hmm. um, at, at the time. They've realised that the world is a little bit disrupted now mm -hmm. and um, a coming into a GP's office to provide a pathology uh, yes. uh, result is, is, is challenging at the moment mm -hmm. and that presents an opportunity to advance technology associated with hospital in the home. So that same technology has now been um, redirected mm. or found a new purpose in providing hospital and the home services. So instead of coming into your GP mm. to do that uh, pathology test, mm. you can have the equipment at home mm. um, and, uh, and you can uh, operate it yourself mm. and uh, our clinicians can provide their expertise remotely. Mm. Um, same technology, totally different application mm. because an opportunity was created through crisis. Can we just take this a bit further, because some of the research I did began our conversation today, that with the, the, you know, the scale or the scope of the project put to you, the brief put to you by New South Wales Pathology Sepsis Point of Care, was an IOT diagnostic system. But this project had some strong economic drivers behind it in that, as I understand, there are 15,700 patients uh, who, who do present as a result of uh, infection. Sepsis, and that is at a cost of about $39,000 per episode. So there was a strong economic driver for a solution to address that. And then when we layer in the pandemic, it brings even more of the elements together. And one of the things I discovered from your, you know, your area of work and some of the things you spoke about was this concept of containerizing a solution. So the solution goes into a box, but what you're saying here is that there was data, there were third-party medical devices around this, there was software, uh, there was a diagnostic organisation in New South Wales Health Pathology and they were looking to bring all of this together and this is where your work can be, I guess, illustrated where, and I'd never heard of the term before, but you're containerising IOT into a box, bringing all of that together with the cloud. So do you want to tell us a bit more about what yeah, it, how does all sure, that work? Yeah. How does it all so come together? I, I'm not going to delve into the technical details no, of, no. of containerisation, although yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting technology, but I yeah. think the, the concept is, is more interesting. Okay. So we often um, go through journeys with customers who, who say, I'm, I'm trying to build a product that needs this and this and this and this. Yeah. And we say, look, wh what does your product do? Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, oh, it needs to have a battery, it needs to have a, um, a, mm. an LED and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, yes. no, 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 I oh, know. <laughs> What does your product do? Well, yeah. it's got to provide this surface. The user uses it in this way and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And we find out what the product does. Mm. And then we can say, look, 60% of it already exists in this container here. Mm. Um, another 30% of it exists over here. Mm. There's only 10% we actually have to create and we can patch these things together and we can deliver you the outcome that, mm. that your market needs mm. um, without having to create from scratch all these elements. Okay. So the, the, the number one thing that we ask um, every time a customer comes in and they yeah. say, I need a custom product, yeah. we say, um, can you find it off the shelf? Wow. And, uh, and usually that's the, that's the first thing we do because yeah. if, if you try and reinvent everything from the ground, yeah. you're, you're, um, you're ignoring um, decades and decades of effort that yeah. has gone into creating what could be 90% yeah. um, of your product. Yeah. And so uh, this, this, this concept of containerization yeah. um, uh, leans on that. Yeah. It says, um, what if we could take something that we created for one purpose yes. and then we could, um, uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah. run that same thing in yeah. a different environment yes. and, and um, the outside of it looks completely different. Yeah. It's a completely different application, yeah. but inside it's got all that same intelligence, knowledge, IP that's been generated. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so this... So that's adaption, concept. that's rep that's repurposing, that's the whole premise of adaption. Repurposing, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. So if we were to take that a bit further, we've got some questions. Dave asks, I have an idea for a new type of emergency switch for my restaurant. What's my first step? <laughs> uh, give us a call, David. <laughs> yeah, give, give, yeah, but conceptually, what, you know, this, we're getting into design. We've got a question on design, which, which is the one we're looking yeah. at next. But... So, so the first questions um, we would ask is um, uh, essentially how, how would your end user um, uh, use this? What's, um, what's their story? Yep. Um, how do they approach this thing? Um, yep. uh, how do they interact with it? And then what is the result? Yep. So what is the, what is the value yep. that this creates? Yep. Uh, yep. And, and if you can start to articulate that, yep. then we can start to think about um, the best way to implement that. Okay. Often, and, and, it's, yep. and it's a reasonable approach to, to take, often we think about the other way, yep. you know, I want to switch. Yeah. Well, okay, it might end up being a switch, but it's useful. I know it's a little bit painful, yeah. but it's useful to think about what is it that you want to do? What is the yeah. outcome? What, yeah. is, uh, what, yeah. what is the value that you're looking to generate? Yeah. Then we can think about what the implementation yeah. might be. Yeah. Okay, we've got another question here, which is sort of very topical. Has the COVID crisis made you think about using Australian onshore suppliers, partners, or even staffing? Is this a strategy that is particular... Uh, to industry will be strongly moving forward and, and, and for future planning. So what are your thoughts around that? Gosh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. this it's fantastic that we're having this discussion, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I think um, Minister um, Karen Andrews has, mm -hmm. has sort of come full circle on this and, mm -hmm. and it's encouraging to see that a little bit of sense is coming into this, this thinking. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that she did say is yep. that when, when this... Um, pandemic um, resolves to a certain extent, mm. uh, we will not be manufacturing face shields. And for a lot of people, that's a, you know, that's a dagger in the heart because mm. we're very mm. effective mm. At, at, mm. at manufacturing face shields now. Mm. Um, we, mm. We've uh, scrambled and, and yep. we can do that sort of stuff. Yep. Fact is, we do not have a sustainable industry in creating low value goods. We, wow, are very, we are very yeah. good at um, uh, resource generation, you know, yeah. extracting uh, raw yeah. materials. Yeah. Um, we are very good at creating high value goods. Yeah. We are not well set up to produce low Scale. value goods. Yeah. So when we're looking to use onshore labor, onshore resources, onshore capability, we have to look at what our strengths are. Yes. And they are vast, they are great. We have yeah. a lot to leverage that we are not leveraging. Yes. And, uh, and so I think it's fantastic that we're sh shining a light on the mm. fact that uh, mm. domestically we have a great deal of capability mm. and there are benefits in using that capability. Yes. I just don't want people to um, get wound up in the parochial um, advantage of using yeah. domestic labour because it, it makes us feel good. Yeah. That's great, yeah. but it's not sustainable. not sustainable. So it needs to be sustainable and yeah. it can be sustainable if we mm. focus on what we do well, mm. what we're world's best at. Yeah. And there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot. Indeed. Well, that's a good question that we've got next here, which is Meg asked, I'm studying engineering at the University of Newcastle. What are the emerging trends in the electronic world, i.e., you know, IoT? So give us a, some, some of the neat stuff that you might have, you could share with it with a with the oh audience. boy! Um, by the time you finish your degree, Meg, all this information will be irrelevant because yeah. the trends will have shifted. Yeah. Um, uh, Containerisation is, yeah. is certainly um, a, a big one. Um, the IAT, I, mean, I um, run a monthly uh, mm -hmm. meetup group, or did before, yep. when we had yep. uh, monthly meetup groups yep. called uh, Newcastle IAT Pioneers. And, and the theme that I've been beating the drum about yep. is the fact that the Internet of Things yes. um, is going away as a thing. People um, recognise that the technology is there. It's like the Internet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, few people talk about how. Yeah. Um, oh, can we use the internet? Yeah. Well, no, the internet's just there. You know, it's, it's a tool. It's in our toolbox. Yeah. The, the more important question is, what are we going to do? Yeah. So the the trend that I'm seeing that I'm really excited about is mm -hmm. people who are talking about mm -hmm. um, uh, value generation using the IoT toolbox. Tell me more. So people were talking about how, um, and this is a really powerful um, uh, economic driver, mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the the virtuous cycle. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Amazon popularized this idea a little while mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. uh, where they talked about how if we can instrument our products that uh -huh. we deliver our customers, yeah. then we can provide incremental benefit to that product. Yeah. You know, we can add a little feature. It's uh, yeah. Um, it's it's connected to the internet, so therefore you know what it's doing on your phone when you're yeah. remote to it. Okay, there's there's an incremental um, benefit yeah. from instrumenting that um, that product for the user. Yeah. But what becomes extraordinarily beneficial yeah. is that the manufacturer, the designer, the the, the product owner, uh -huh. um, learns about the use of that product. Wow. They learn about um, when it um, sits dormant, uh, yeah. how long it gets used for. Um, ways it gets used that they never intended yes. and they build that into the, the next um, version of the product. Yeah. So they're constantly collecting this feedback on how yeah. their product are, are used yeah. and that's, that's causing real big shifts. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very interesting. So you see tyre manufacturers who can't sell a $400 tyre when everyone's already buying $200 tyres because mm. the $400 tyres are more expensive and mm. who's going to want mm. to buy that. Mm. Um, tyre manufacturers are now looking at, well, Look, we'll give you the tyre for free, but we're going to put a, um, a sensor in it, um, use the IAT, and we'll know how many revolutions that tyre's done, and you can just pay us per the mile. Oh, my God. We know our $400 tyre lasts five times as long. You don't have to worry about that. We'll That's take amazing. care of that. We'll yeah. just charge you by the mile, and we know this tyre's going to last longer, so we're happy to do so that. same product, same customer, different business model. And notice how the, they weren't selling the IAT. They're no. still selling tyres. Yes. The fact is that what's changed is mm. that they're better able to provide mm. their effectively servitisation. Mm. They're mm. able to turn their product into something that continually mm. improves and continue to provide a service to their mm. customer. Now, we could talk to you all day, as you said, an, uh, you know, an arm's length of, of ideas. Um, I've got a couple of more questions, and then I'd like to, for us to get on to our last question. Then we're going to get on to your, to your tips. But Cara asks, I close my business due to events uh, weddings cancelling as a makeup artist, a very close proximity to clients for long periods of time is required. Can I work again soon or could she reskill in, in, in this era, you know, in regard to technology and, and that type of thing? Wow, I, I, I really feel for that, that scenario. That's, mm. um, uh, look, the first thing is, is condolences. There's, there's some businesses, and, and I do want to give this um, mm. weight, mm. there's some businesses for which um, the current environment mm -hmm. um, is not compatible with. Yes. And, and um, I know there's a, there's a very popular statement out there that says, you know, we need to adapt, we need mm. to innovate, we need mm. to um, uh, move with the times. Mm. For some businesses, that's, that's simply not practical, yeah. and, and, and yeah. so things will shift. Um, and, and, and it resonates with me. Our business mm. is very hands-on. It's mm. very physical. We need to be close to our customers. Mm. We need to work with them. We need mm. to deliver things. Um, and so there's a, to pretend that there's no impact is, mm -hmm. is, um, is ridiculous and mm -hmm. it's not fair. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think it's a great question. And, uh, and I think for some businesses, the current environment is simply not compatible. Yeah. We will return. There will be a yeah. return to... I know you hate the term, a new yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, yeah. we can re-look at that business and, yeah. and have a look at how it will um, apply in, yeah. in um, the new normal. Yeah. 
um, and and uh, and we can look at um, regenerating those businesses at that point. But I think yeah. uh, I think we have to allow yeah. some businesses to recognise yeah. that effectively they're they're pushing excrement uphill yeah. if they try and um, uh, adapt. It's just not it's not there. Create your own big bang and see your business idea come to life. Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling, and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code Big Bang to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. I know that you're quite passionate about STEM and, and the importance of that. So can you tell us a little bit more about STEM and the program that you've been involved in for young people around STEM? Yeah, sure. So uh, I, uh, I am the product of, of two um, teachers. Yeah. Um, there are many teachers in my family. I married a, a teacher. Uh -huh. um, I can't get away from education. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. um, it, is, it, it, it runs very, very deep uh -huh. um, in me. And so now that I'm in industry, I um, am very excited about being able to contribute to mm -hmm. um, uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics education, STEM mm -hmm. education. Mm -hmm. uh, I am concerned that um, that STEM education has been co-opted by uh, vested interests in producing um, uh, low-value programmers. Yes. So a lot of STEM education uh, mm -hmm. beats the drum on um, coding, yeah. and uh, and I think that's a um, it's an unnecessary reduction yeah. in the value of STEM. Yeah. Um, uh, STEM is creative and, yeah. and STEM is, can be physical. Um, it, it requires a lot of empathy yeah. um, uh, and, and it requires the ability to communicate your outcomes. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was going through university education, I had this epiphany uh, yeah. halfway through my degree. Yeah. Um, I came from a small pond and into mm -hmm. a, um, a large pond and, mm -hmm. and I recognised that um, although I was, I was very um, successful academically at university, yeah. Yeah. there was a lot of other smart people there. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, why does no one recognise how smart these people are? Yes. And it dawned on me that, yeah. that, that um, it's, you don't wear that on your face, right? No. no one walks up to you and goes, you're a really smart person, I yeah. love you. Yeah, yeah. They walk up to you and they say, you care about me, I yeah. love you. Yeah. So, yeah. so I had this epiphany and recognised that it doesn't matter how smart you are, if you can't make people care, yeah. it's, it's yeah. wasted. Yeah. So when, when we were designing our STEM program, I, I tried to um, instill some of those, those values into it. Mm -hmm. And so we run a, a STEM program called uh, Mini Sparks, where we, we get children um, eight to 10 years old in, um, into a room and we get them to build little, bit, little bits and Lego and, yeah. and objects and things, but we give them, we give them challenges. Yeah. You need to design something that's gonna go from here to here, yeah. um, go through the process, do some experimentation, fail a little bit, learn yeah. from it, um, recreate. Yeah. Um, and then, here's the kicker, once you've created it, you've gotta stand out the front and, and sell it to yeah. the rest of the class. Yeah. So who would buy this? Why is it important? Why yeah. would they care? What, yeah. How much would it be? How, how would it change their lives? What, yes. what would be important about it? Yeah. And so, yeah, um, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been very successful. It's been very rewarding um, to, to, to be able to do that. Now we're going to move on to uh, our last question, which is, and this is where I'd just like to explore this, this, this tenant of um, uh, you know, designing, so user experience versus design, and we, we kind of touched on there, you know, who's the end user? What's the utility of this, of this venture? Why did we do this? What's it for? Can you perhaps just give us a sense of uh, what, do you, what do you think for, for some small businesses and medium businesses, what, what can they do to design, to, to, to take something 
that they're doing in their business and to say, I want to do this differently, I want to do it better, I want to adapt what I'm doing for a new operating marketplace, for a, a different way of doing what I'm doing because I simply, I have to be able to respond to change economically or in my market. But what, how, how do they do that? How do they design something? How would you give someone a tip to say, I've got a problem, can, can they do some pre-work before they get to someone like you to, to design yeah. a solution? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the first thing we'll ask people to do, and it's the key to design, yeah. is think about the user. So um, uh, it, it's, it's so um, um, tempting mm. um, to think about the solution and, and think about um, uh, how good the world will be once this thing exists. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I love that, and I fall in love with that as well. And so yeah. it's, it's a constant effort yeah. to ensure that we're applying design principles, and that is to think about the user. Yeah. And um, don't assume. Um, yeah. Don't assume that uh, that what's in your head is is what will be uh, accepted by the market. Yes. So um, uh, the you need to include the user in those early conversations yeah. and say um, how would you use this? Yeah. Um, not uh, what would you do? What do you want? Yeah. Because no one knows what they want until they no. get it. No. Um, instead. Here, how would you use this? What, what's your reaction? Wow. Here's, here's a crappy version of this thing that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, how would you use that? And then observe. Yeah. Watch them pick it up and, and watch yeah. them um, go through their process of doing whatever their job is yeah. or um, whatever task they're trying to solve. in the, the chain of process for that, with the work that you do in, in, in your work, um, at some point you will hand or partner with a firmware producer. So this, this, this prototype or this form of what someone's come up with at some point has to be handed over to someone that, that, that builds it into its final form to go to market. Is that right? So how does that work? So we've worked with you for a period of time. We've developed a, a, an iterative prototype that's got some utility. We, we then, how, how, do you go, how do you go out to that market, you know, the firmware, the, per, the, the organization that builds the thing that you've come up with? How does that work? So we provide um, certain elements of the product design journey. Mm -hmm. So we, we have skills and expertise in, in electronics, in firmware, mm -hmm. um, in enclosure design, in testing, in certification, in, mm -hmm. in those sorts of elements. Mm -hmm. There's other elements that, uh, that we don't do well that we yeah. draw on external um, resources to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, depending on the, the needs of, of the product, mm -hmm. um, uh, we'll, um, we'll focus on our areas of expertise and we'll draw in other areas of expertise to fill in those other elements. Um, uh, but what's important is that, that, um, that we get to carry that idea all the way through rather than thro throwing things over the fence. Okay. So you see in a lot of organisations, yeah. um, someone will design the thing, make it really nice and pretty, mm. and then they'll throw it over the fence to the electronic designer to mm. add the PCB and the mm. LEDs and all those sorts of guff, and they'll throw it over the fence to the firmware guy to yeah. write the software and, yeah. and do all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you get it back and it's nothing like what you expected because they didn't talk to each other and mm -hmm. they had a constraint and they didn't yeah. um, work to, to sort these constraints out. Yeah. So we, um, while we draw on expertise yeah. to um, put all those elements yeah. in, yeah. we make sure that we're not throwing things over the fence, that so, we're having those conversations at every one of those interface points. Right. So, so your methodology or your, your approach or your principles mean that it, it's important that if someone's got this idea, concept, uh, innovation, that they have someone like an organisation like you or with you to take them along all parts of that process. So you've kind of done the pre-work, you know, the constraints and tolerances, and, and, and you're able to, to guide them through, you know, what, what was still a, a long journey, isn't it, to get yeah, to market? Yeah, 
look, I've, I've often said no successful product um, mm -hmm. makes it to the market unless someone is thinking about it in the shower in the morning. Someone's waking <laughs> up in the middle of the night thinking yeah. about um, who's yeah. looking after their baby. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Josh Jeffress talks about how the, this is, you can often think of it like a marriage. The people that are involved in this product design journey, are, yeah. they're, they're getting into a marriage. Yes. They're, they're gonna have conflict, they're gonna yes. have arguments, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, they're gonna, they're yeah. gonna make babies yeah. and they're, yeah. they're gonna make those babies together. Yeah. And, and, they get, and so you gotta love the baby. You know? yeah. You've gotta, you gotta yeah. nurture it and you gotta carry it through. <laughs> Indeed. Um, uh, so whether it's us, I mean, yeah. depending on the customer, if mm. um, if uh, if we can provide that service, then mm -hmm. yes, we'll we'll be the one to, mm -hmm. to care and carry for that baby all the way through. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our customers fill that role, and and, yep. and we simply uh, guide it like a, like a shepherd yep. sort of role. Okay. Um, it all depends. All right. Well, Heath, we've got so much more we can talk about, and we we could probably do that again at another time. I know that you've got a whole range of experiences in smart cities as well, and technologies in urban environments, and rural environments, and drone technology. There's a whole range of places we can go. But I want to thank you uh, very much for being with us, and I'm going to wrap up today. People need to be, I guess, prepared to adapt and innovate, and should be conscious of the opportunity all the time, and that is inherent during periods of, of destruction. Um, but I'd just like to wind up by talking to the fact that. The clouds will go away from this. I think we've spoken about that at some point. This won't be with us forever, but I guess the, the omelette is made um, and the eggs have been scrambled. It's, it's what parts do we keep? So you can find out more about uh, Business Connect and you can find out more uh, certainly about uh, the Business Centre and providers of Business Connect around the state by going to Business Connect uh, and Googling that and you'll be able to get a local provider. And you can also uh, find much more uh, about the Business Connect program uh, by uh, coming to our website or going to the Business Connect website. If you'd like to contact Heath or New Ventures, please contact us and we'll forward on your details. But I'd just like to close there and thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre.